Well, it started now. Hmm. All right. <laughs> All right. So, polygraphs. What do we know about them? Well, considering it's just the fancy word for a lie detector test. As much as it may be like a fancy word for a lie detector, another way of putting it is a chart that maps out uh, brain frequency, blood pressure, really any changes in the body that could be abnormal or registered that could lead to someone demonstrating any, well, probable causes of making a lie. So, I know that it also uses like skin con conductivity and like your breathing as well. Yeah. Because when someone lies, like obviously their anxiety picks up, so it's kind of a little bit easier to yeah, determine. In your uh, your body temp will increase. Yeah, exactly. And on a polygraph, there are four or more. Um, I don't know what the professional word for it is, but essentially they're little instruments that generally keep a straight line unless there is something that interferes with, well, any abnormalities in the body. Exactly. There's also a microphone that is hooked up, generally. People's voices adapt to what they're talking about. Yeah. I, isn't there, there's two different ways that that works in the sense of, I know that volume can increase or lower when someone's lying, depending on how confident they are in the lie. And then pitch. the frequency, the pitch will change as well. Yeah. All right. So who was it made by and when? Well, it was made I by, it. it was, uh, originally founded like the whole polygraph project was developed by a man named James McKenzie he was a cardiologist in Britain uh, mm -hmm. somewhere in there I can't specify I didn't write down the note but it, the first polygraph prototype was developed in 1906 so that puts us around what 20 25 years no 23 23 years no older than that oh my god it's over a century old I say <laughs> yeah my math is completely out the window by the by recording this at half pat or uh, 10 past 10 so all right i'm sorry <laughs> brain power is running low oh me too um from what i can see and from what i know it was the mix of the what you were just talking about with james and his like the cardiologist and him using it for his own practice yeah, it says was... it was it was also in combination with an abandoned project by William Moulton Marston, Marston, which used blood pressure to examine German prisoners of war. Oh, okay, yeah. So it used only blood 
blood pressure to tell if a person was lying or not. So, only blood pressure to see if someone was lying? It would, it would only go off of blood pressure. Alright, that's interesting. So, what are some things that, uh, like physical symptoms, a particular way someone would try to identify a lie, per se someone who is operating a polygraph, what would they analyze physically in someone while they're conducting said test? on the patient or on the actual documents themselves from the polygraph on the patient on the patient themselves um definitely like anything like shaking increase in breathing uh higher pitched voice stuttering Stut yeah stuttering over words like jumbling things together i suppose mm -hmm. or even Any perspiration uh, yeah i was gonna say that another thing or fidgeting fidgeting especially like touching any piece of jewelry mm -hmm, yeah there's a lot of people including myself who do that just naturally like as like a constant anxiety type thing but obviously like that's going to pick up more in the case of lying yeah and generally when someone is like touching a piece of jewelry when they're talking about like a spouse or something or a significant other it tends to be directed like the lies towards them. That's just yeah, because that, that piece of jewelry of, relates to that person. Yeah, it's something that I saw off a program called Lie to Me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, like, as an example, say a wife had murdered her husband and she got a necklace from him that she was playing with during a polygraph test. As she was being asked, did you commit this murder? And she was playing with it and, like, fidgeting and whatever. And or she said, no, I didn't. That would indicate... That would help show that she would possibly be lying. Or even in like a smaller case where it's like, were you drunk on said night when this person was involved in a car accident and you were supposed to be mm -hmm. the DD? Yeah. So yeah, that is like a that, small, yeah. Small stuff can even be traced, like the smallest thing. Any mm -hmm. change in heart rate, breathing pattern temperature of skin heart rate mm -hmm. oh here's a fun little fact for you so William Moulton Marston eventually like named himself the father of the polygraph like even though his predecessor's contribution con he's taking the credit for it yeah for the most part but um, he's actually more so known for the fact that he's the creator of Wonder Woman I knew that name sounded oddly familiar. <laughs> this is a fun little random fact for you. Well, I appreciate that. So, alright. We're moving on to part D. What is a detailed description of how a polygraph test would be conducted by an expert? Well, the basis of a polygraph is all based around direct questions that can only be answered by yes or no mm -hmm. yeah if there's any room for like someone to make up something else then the polygraph can get squirrely because it's measure measuring certain things it's not like measuring brain waves it's measuring superficial things 
Exactly. So. And then, of course, like there's all of the different like wiring setups with the because I know that there's the the strap that goes across your chest to track your breathing. There's a skin conductivity tester that goes on your fingers. Yeah, uh, and that there one also is also track, that one also would track heart rate because yeah. there's a pulse in your fingers. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, of course, like a blood pressure cup cuff. Yes. Um, that goes on like the person's arm and I know that they're like meant to sit very like still and straight yeah you're not allowed to move yeah exactly I've seen a couple of those tests done like whether it be on YouTube or in like an actual crime documentary or whatever it may be but I've seen it done and it's actually kind of a cool subject mm -hmm. yeah how how would you guess, without researching anything, how would you guess if they can determine if someone is lying on said polygraph or not? Like, what's something that you would imagine would stand out? Like, someone... Someone who appears to be, like, ridiculously fidgety or, like, overly, like, avoiding eye contact. That's another thing I meant to mention. Eye contact. Yeah, absolutely. If someone was constantly looking away or trying to avoid my questions or trying to avoid me or answering me directly by looking away, that would erase a lot of suspicion for me. Well, not even just that. Like, I'm kind of trying to refer to, per se, what you would see on the polygraph. What, what could you see on an actual polygraph chart that is being drawn out in front of you, whether it be the actual instrument or a more modern-day computer-regulated polygraph, how would you determine if someone was lying? Well, from what I know, there's, I think there's what four, little, almost four like or it, more. There four, yeah, four there or are more. Typically more, especially yeah. nowadays. They, they almost look like the like little needles that are that are on like a record player. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're like that, and then as soon as they pick up any sort of movement or any sort of anomaly in the person's behavior breathing heartbeat anything it will spike and almost look like a heartbeat on the page if that makes sense or it'll kind of like make a little scratch to indicate that like something happened something but, spiked in that time but then again lots of times people unintentionally move when they're trying to speak so in my case i make gestures when i'm speaking or making like a statement it doesn't really matter what i'm saying if it's truthful or a lie it just happens yeah and that's probably where like the visual aspect of actually like keeping an eye on the patient themselves would come in handy like oh is the person looking away are they fidgeting like taking taking notes in like a case like that would probably be like it definitely be like it, you wouldn't be able to just rely on the polygraph test you would definitely have to cross line like notes from the actual uh interrogation in the first place along with body language and all that other fun stuff well, what's something else that you could, like, bring up or bring to the table when you're saying something like that? What do you mean? So, I guess what I'm trying to, like, get at here is suggest what if there was, like, a minute change, super small change that didn't really mean much of anything, but it's still a brief little change in that little pointer. Would that mean that they're lying? Not exactly. 
that's where that's the type of situation where I would probably look into that a little bit more. So say if like the question was decently broad and they answered, say, like whatever their answer was, there was a slight change in the way that they answered. It could have just been like the question shocked them or something like that. Just because it shocked them doesn't mean that they were lying or like the that they were feeling targeted. But just being able to kind of slowly kind of, I guess, dance around the subject to see if you get a more clear answer with a more promising result instead of something like that where it be, might be like a little unreliable. That's also jumping into one of our next topics as well is, um, is it foolproof? Is there... Oh, like, I don't think so at all, no. Any any way that it could go wrong? What is the odds of accuracy? Oh, I meant yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I don't think they're 100% accurate, and that's why I mentioned, like, they should be definitely taking notes during these types of sessions and investigations and interrogations to help kind of cross-match both not only, like, the witness's testimony, like, their own, what they've told their lawyer, the judge, in comparison to what they're telling the polygraph tester and the other people in the room. Well, one of the things that I'd like to particularly bring up and around is the fact that if someone believes something to be true, then it won't show up as a lie on a polygraph, even if it's inaccurate. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't, that's like something that I was actually talking to with uh, an instructor of mine was no matter what it's about, it's if you like, if you're going to lie, it depends on about the energy that you bring to it. Like, you can shout 2 plus 2 is 5. That doesn't make it right. But because of your confident in your answer, people are going to believe you. However, if you, like, whisper really quietly, like, oh, 2 plus 2 is 4, people aren't going to believe you, as easily, at least. Well, that's not even really all that I want to bring up. It's kind of like, if I were to tell you, I believe that wholeheartedly the whole world is based around the existence of a superior being per se god or whatever it may be if mm -hmm. i believe it's true it will not show up as a lie or if like per se at the beginning of time uh two plus two equals dog shit you know they're gonna believe you because that's what you believe to be Please. true but now that we have like modern science math whatever it may be whatever topic you want to bring up what you bring to the table can be interpreted whether it's true or false. Exactly. But again, it's all how you believe it, how you perceive it. Mm -hmm. Whether you believe something to be true or if it's not. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point in the sense that, um, like, it doesn't matter if you believe it's true, even if to someone else it isn't, that doesn't... Even if the statement in general is just so far out of left field, it doesn't <laughs> matter. If you believe it to be true, it won't show up as a lie on a polygraph. Exactly. And that goes back to, I watched, oh geez, what was it? I watched one video and I can't remember if we watched this in class or not, but it was about um, this one case where six people confessed to a murder because they spent years in solitary confinement until they agreed to confess 
to the point where they didn't even know if it was them or not in the end. Where at the beginning they thought it wasn't them genuinely, but well, because they still, were being forced, can be driven to madness. Like think about it, being locked in solitary confinement for how many years did you say? Uh, I think the, there was one person who was only locked in for solitary confinement for just under a year. The person who spent the longest spent just shy of three years in solitary confinement. But then again, that's like someone completely on their own and telling them, like, your only way out of this is to admit, like... Exactly. It's a form of manipulation based off of, like, breaking someone's consciousness in the sense of using, like, having them admit what they think, like having them believe that that truth is their truth, even if it isn't. Again, it's all subjugative. Subjectat- oh, how am I supposed to say that? Subjugative? Subjective? Yeah, that, that's probably it. I don't know. But... What, what would you say, like... Do you know an example where... Someone was put on a polygraph? I don't know any specific examples. Um, I do know that it's been used in a lot of different situations. And obviously, like, now it's a lot more modern and it's a lot more... Um, it's definitely a lot more accurate now than it used to be in the past just because of all of the modern technology advancements that have been made towards it. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm looking it up right now because I saw something on... Um, there's a TV show on Netflix called I Am a Killer. Mm-hmm. And there was this lady. She's ex-military. She was... Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure if she was dishonorably discharged or discharged due to either mental or like medical but she was discharged mm. and then uh, she went and she met up with a dude and she had been together with him for not that long and mind you this guy was suicidal mm -hmm. so he kept saying like over and over and over again um like no i can't do that i can't do that i can't do that so on and so forth and then eventually she like caved and said is this what you like actually want because i can i can do it for you i love you i can make it painless i can just like make it all go away but then she never actually confessed to that until oh geez like a couple years later oh wow yeah. so she murdered her partner because he was begging her to do it for him like yeah so that way he wouldn't have to do it himself well in a way yeah that's almost exactly it but she was put on a polygraph and she believed over and over like this she wasn't put on a polygraph just once they did it many 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 times but for the longest time it kept showing that she believed and it was true that she did not kill him however she was in the vehicle with him and strangled him to death in the two front seats of 
the car that they had been traveling across um, the north side of the United States. She killed him in a Walmart parking lot. That's, wow. Yeah. And then, like, immediately after killing him, she's trying to, like, resuscitate him. Mind you, cops are over in, like, another lot that are not far away. And they see this woman trying to, like, resuscitate a dude in a car. So they're coming over. They're freaking out, like, what the hell is going on? And the first yeah, words, exactly. The first words out of her mouth are, I killed him. Wow. So and in a sense, it could have also been slightly due to, like, delirium. I swear, this lady was, like, actually insane. She's lost yeah. it. But then For after, sure. After years, and since the parents of Dude were, um, I'm not sure if they were Christian or Jewish, but they're religious in some way or another, and they believed in forgiveness so deeply that they literally started visiting her in prison. That's, I mean, okay. Yeah. You do of, you, kind, I guess. Kind of a bold thing. I wouldn't be one to do that. Like, if they had killed oh, yeah, me neither. my son, I'd be out looking for blood. Oh, yeah, same. If someone were to hurt or kill my son and then choose to not confess to it and genuinely believe that they didn't do it and then turns out that it was them well even yeah so, like, i would be really mad <laughs> they genuinely believe it isn't them so how can you fully believe that it isn't not them i feel like deep down that would that would cause me to overthink about it a lot and like send me into delirium yeah i think i would be there too <laughs> like i'd be losing my marbles Oh, the same. Like, same way that they're losing their marbles. Exactly. I wouldn't be able to stop questioning over and over again, who did it, who did it, who did it? Like, you know. I wouldn't even be able to stop looking. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't stop. Couldn't. Me neither. There's no two ways about it. That's just, like, the way it is. I'm trying And especially to... with your own kid, too. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where this was. Strangulation. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go. I am a killer. Woman killed her boyfriend by strangulation. Okay. This is showing up in um, thedailymail.com. Mm -hmm. So that's the source that I'm using right now. Lindsay right. Hogan. Wow. Hogan? H-A-U-G-E-N. Who is serving H a 60... Hogan? 60-year sentence for deliberate homicide at Montana State Women's Prison. 
Lindsay, now 36, a convicted murderer of her boyfriend Robert Glenn, or Robert Glenn Mast, 25, who she strangled to death inside a car at Montana Walmart in 2015. During the police wow. interrogation, Lindsay admitted that she had a warped fascination with the feeling of what it would be like to take a life. The part that they're missing from that statement is take a life with her own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, but later on, she would claim that it was a mercy killing and that Robert asked her to do it so he could escape his crippling depression. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's she's not an ugly lady. I'll say that. I mean, her soul is ugly, but... Good God. Yeah, that sounds absolutely crazy. I've been getting all of my information just straight from the Wikipedia page about polygraphs. I'm not sure how much I trust Wikipedia, though. (laughs) Neither am I, but I mean, hey, I'll take it. It's a fast It's got some cool... Exactly, and I mean, hey, it's got the cool fun fact about the guy who created Wonder Woman, so I'll take it. But then again, that could be, like, something that was added in after the fact. Wait. It might not be entirely true. I figure it out. <laughs> Greatly influenced Wonder Woman's creation. He was inducted into the comic book Hall of Fame in two on that. Yeah, I, I, I believe this. But yeah. The lady's serving yeah, a 60-year sentence, and she's 32. Uh, how much time has she already been in prison for? Well, she was in prison since 2015. So she's and her not... sentence is 60 years. So yes. she's not getting out until 2075. Yes. If she's still alive, that is. Because she'll be in her 90s at that point, or late 80s. Late 80s, early 90s. So yeah. odds of her actually making it out alive are slim to none. They might as well have just given yeah. her a life sentence. Yeah, agreed. And who would want to... This is getting off topic, but but who would want to live in a world so far advanced when you've spent so much of your time locked behind bars... Well, if you're thinking for about it, 60 if you're, years, if you're thinking about it that way, then the best way to like describe a best concept of that is to go and look back at Shawshank Redemption. I was thinking of that. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I don't remember his name, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, there was red. There was. I have to sneeze. <laughs> <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. (laughs) But yeah. What was his name? Oh, jeez. And then, yeah, but like he ended up getting out of prison after so long. And it's like his life. He he wanted to stay in prison because he he didn't know how to function in the new world that he was living in. To the point where he committed suicide. Yeah. He hung himself where he uh, carved his name in. Yeah. Oh, then, Brooks. His name is Brooks. Yeah, Brooks. But, yeah. 
So that's a perfect example. And one of the quotes from that movie is, I don't know why, but the world got itself in such a big damn hurry. And exactly. Around, like the idea of just like cars. Exactly. Yeah. Well, think about it this way. We, in 2015, let's think to the most advanced vehicle that we had. Well, we had maybe, maybe a four to six inch screen and dashes. Yeah, exactly. And now Radios there's like almost... still relevant? Yeah. Now it's all aux cords and Bluetooth. Well, it's mostly Bluetooth. It's not even aux cords anymore. You can't find an aux in anything. Oh, true. iPhone doesn't even offer an aux port anymore. I know. I mean, Samsung's that getting and, like, that the wireless too. charging. Oh, um, really? Yeah, they're taking it away. They're turning it to only the uh, USB-C adapters. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. But uh, I never agreed with that decision in the first place, but you know. Neither did I. I despised it. Yeah, so did I. Alright, so we've covered when and who invented the polygraph. Brief description mm -hmm. or diagram of a polygraph instrument. We have done that. Mm -hmm. List symptoms and behaviors that a polygraphist looks for in determining whether a person is being deceitful and or lying. Mm-hmm. A detailed description of how a polygraph test would be conducted by an expert. I think we cover that more briefly than detailed, but we get the gist. Yeah. And if ever someone's super curious, YouTube is a very valuable resource. Oh, true that. <laughs> and then again, we're already at half an hour. Yeah. I'm sure uh, of this how... you doesn't want to. Oh, her marks are all due tomorrow. Is she even going to like be able to get this? She told, me to, on... she told me to bring it in tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, thank God. And we're still actively recording. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're trimming this, right? <laughs> oh, heck no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that okay. I'm leaving it raw footage. This is hilarious. Lovely. Well, this is the, it's the best part of a conversation. You get to listen into a conversation and feel like a fly on the wall. That's awesome. That's mm, like that's one of true. the best parts of like having a uh, having a podcast. That is true. That's one thing that makes podcasts so interesting is that you're literally just like listening to two people talk about like whatever subject, and then it's like, huh, that's cool. Yeah, I'd be interested in doing more uh, more podcasts with you. See if we can like maybe invite other people too. Oh, I'd be down. Sweet. But uh, okay. back to the topic. Description yeah. of how, or yeah, a detailed description of how a polygraph test would be conducted by an expert. We covered that pretty well. Mm -hmm. A description of how a polygraphist determines whether a person has passed or failed. We didn't cover that one. I was going to say. So, why, how do you think a polygraphist would know? What is, like, the basis? Because they collect a baseline 
at the very beginning determining whether like they have a collection of items that they know that the person thinks is true like do you believe the sky is blue well Mm -hmm, obviously yes what's your is your name yada 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 yes Mm -hmm. are you this many years old like is this your birth your date of birth like things like that yeah just getting like a feeler out for what it actually would be yeah exactly and uh kind of seeing like where their average body pressure body pressure no blood pressure um breathing habits are their fidgeting habits things like that just to kind of get like a so you can tell when their body language or even the things in the polygraph test itself do spike yeah so after collecting this baseline you'll have an idea of what's truthful and what's deceitful Mm -hmm. yeah so that goes back to covering another topic that we didn't cover very well but we covered it relatively well. Mm-hmm. But this just only adds to it. So how would you determine if it was a pass or fail? How would I determine it? Yeah, what what would you give it? What would you score it? Mm, I would probably base it the most on the way that, like for me personally, the way that I would do it is I would start off with those baseline questions and then start easing my way into the topic of the crime and then slowly getting into more specific questions and being like, like say it was a robbery, for example. So asking like, have you had any past thoughts, wants, desires, or even have done a robbery in the past? Like things like that. And then slowly easing into just straight up being like, did you do the robbery? Like, and then picking up on how their body language because obviously, like like I mentioned before, like if you smack someone in the face with a question that's really like sudden, like if you just started off with the baseline questions and being like, so did you do the robbery? Like, of course, the person's going to be a little bit like, wait, what? Like they're going to be a little shocked and confused and they're probably going to have like that type of reaction where it might seem deceitful. Whereas if you ease them into it, you're more likely to get a calmer and more accurate response. And then I'm kind of like the complete opposite like, you know why you're here. Mm-hmm. So let's get straight to the point and don't waste my time and I won't waste yours. I'll ask mm, you that makes the details sense. after. But Just give me the straight up answer. Do you believe that you conducted this offense? Mm-hmm. If you do not believe this offense, that you did this offense, then it will show. However, yeah, that if, makes sense. If it's there and you try and lie to me, I will know. Mhm. You have a very I feel like with the two of us it'd be kind of like good cop bad cop. Like you'd be the one it'd be like on them being like you did it. Did you do it? Tell me the truth and I'd be the one like, "All right, so tell me this story nice and slow, sweetheart." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, "Sit down. Tell me the truth." Otherwise, I'll turn your face inside out. Meanwhile, I'm more, like, caring and nurturing, so I'd be like, whatever you believe happened is the truth until I can prove that you're lying to me or I could prove that. Like, I use a philosophy in life, too. Like, Well, I'm the same all way. The... It's just, tell me the truth. If you're going to mm-hmm. lie to me, at least make it worth my while. Yeah, tell exactly. That, that makes sense. I haven't heard before. 
<laughs> Fair. So getting like a good idea of what their range is or what they believe right off the bat because you're telling you're getting them to tell you these truths and if you spike them with the that question in the face right off the bat then they're already so accustomed to telling the truth that if you see a major spike right away when they respond because at that point it's so just reflexive to answer then Mm, that's a good point yeah one thing kind of leads to another and if you reflexively look at me and go yeah i did it oh wait uh exactly like that makes a lot of sense like um yeah me for just like with my own personal experience obviously like i've never committed a crime so like i would i wouldn't know from personal experience but with my own personal knowledge of myself in that situation i would need or want that more nurturing and slow ass like approach to it just because like of my own anxiety like i feel like it would appear that i'd be lying so I'd want someone to take the time to like actually like fully slowly ease me into it and like get me comfortable in what I'm doing and then ask me the harder questions instead of just being like flat out like, hey, did you do it? But another I do see the effectiveness up, in the point. Another thing that you could a uh, question that you could follow up that previous question with like, did you do this? And then follow it up with, did you just lie to me? Mm, exactly. That's a... Oh, man, my parents used to use that against me all the time. <laughs> oh, my parents never had to use it against me. My mother could read me like a book. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I'm bad at lying, but I'm sneaky. <laughs> See, the thing about strict parents is they make good liars. <laughs> they don't know oh, it, true. but they do. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm true so fortunate that. to have such lax parents. Mm-hmm. They're just like, if you're going to lie to us, we're going to know immediately. So don't waste your breath. Exactly. I guess like my method of conducting an interrogation is very similar to how I was brought up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could be related to all kinds of things. And generally, someone who commits like a heinous crime or whatever it may be, they will have been raised in a relationship with their parents that is not so gentle and they're going to be accustomed to that immediate response where they're either going to lie to you and you're going to know or they're not going to lie to you and you're going to know. That is true, yeah. I never thought about like looking into like the psychology aspect of it, but then again, that's what Forensics 35 is for, right? Yeah, but I also like took my uh i took my psych course back in grade 10 so Mm, yeah yeah i studied a little bit of criminal psychology already cool yeah i mean it kind of helps that my uh stepdad there studied psychology as his undergrad Mm. yeah yeah that would probably be really helpful Yeah, having those books around is nice bedtime literature. (laughs) That was me with my mom's uh, med school textbooks. I used to just read them for fun. 
yeah it's like the power of knowledge and wanting to learn something is way more powerful than really any teacher has a full grasp of like if you get the kids to want to learn then you've already beat the system exactly and that's why making making the topics and making the way that you're teaching it to children so important i love how we're talking about this on a podcast that we're sending to a teacher (laughs) i mean constructive criticism is never a bad thing unless it is but if we get a bad mark because she thinks we're roasting her i'm gonna be mad at you (laughs) i'm not doing that (laughs) and if we get a bad mark for something like that (laughs) i still have this recording saved onto my computer fair (laughs) we covered all the details we covered covered all the topics the only thing that we're missing is the images Mm-hmm. And if we I can always mark, just put like I can always just put like three images on a dock and turn it in but but then again you know. like this is a it's up to her whether we actually met the criteria properly and if we have any questions she is more than happy to answer I know that she is she's a great teacher she is a very great teacher I agree Wow, we sound I joined like chemistry so two weeks late last year. <laughs> I joined chemistry two weeks late last year, right before the pandemic. And she did a very good job at like getting helping me get speed. caught up and like actually like understanding the topics instead of just like throwing me into the new stuff and being like, have fun. <laughs> yeah, so many teachers do that. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Like with this course, especially right at the beginning, how we were like introduced through Bearbrook or whatever it may be it was it was a good way to get us like started like walk before you run i agree i really like the bear book podcast and i'm looking forward to finishing the rest of them me too i'm actually i you know that other show that we did who killed jean benet mm-hmm. oh i've already seen it <laughs> yeah i watched all the way through <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was That's just like, why my oh, uh, YouTube it. recommended page right now is just all BuzzFeed Unsolved. <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah, I can't relate. <laughs> but anyway. That's just because, like, yeah. They're funny. This is, uh, this is filler. Miss you. If you want to skip through this end bit, I probably should have said this earlier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> disregard. Just put a note. <laughs> Just so they know, like, when you turn around and be like, hey, uh, sorry, it's kind of (laughs) long. Well, no, she knows that my recordings normally turn out to be, like, an hour and a half long. Oh, God. Yeah. I, uh, I tend to overdo my podcast just because I like, I like talking. Like having something to talk about. Yeah, I can see that. my mind (laughs) occupied. I kind of like this too, though. Like, it's a it's a lot easier of a way to kind of get through it, like a project and a topic, and like actually, instead of just doing like a Google slide and writing all your information down, like actually like sitting down and talking about it, where like you don't have to worry about the specific research and the specific wording. Like, it's and just also you can say it word right ramble. Here. You're right here, and you're in your own space. You're comfortable. You're having exactly. a conversation. And there's no anxiety. 
exactly. I highly agree. Like, normally I'm not one to talk this much, but, like, especially if, like, someone were to tell me, oh, you're on a podcast, have fun, I would not talk this much. But because it's, like, I'm literally sitting in my bed eating goldfish at 10.30 at night, like, yeah, I'm vibing. <laughs> <laughs> Straight vibing, boys. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a drink tonight. Look at me go. I am proud of myself. I drink water. Look, hey, I also have water. Hey! Adulting. Virtual cheers. Adulting. Ew. <laughs> yeah, I heard that little one there. Yeah. <laughs> I just want some there. water. I'm sorry. Their lips smacking good. I no. I thought you were. I'm drinking water. What? I thought you were eating goldfish. I don't know, man. I'm eating goldfish and drinking water because my freaking throat is dead. Goldfish. Are not because of COVID. Not because of COVID. Yeah, don't get your panties in a bunch. <laughs> no, it's just because of the temperature changes. My throat is like ooh. <laughs> Yeah, we're about to get spicy. Yeah, literally, and I'm like, yeah, how about we don't? But yeah, this is like my favorite part about podcasts. And it's so much easier having someone else to actually talk to instead of rambling to yourself. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I end up stuttering so much if I'm recording alone. Oh yeah, I would too. I don't blame you at all. But yeah, I think... We have covered all of our bases. And to miss you. And if this recording ever does get shared, hope you enjoyed. And thank you for listening to the Joker's podcast, I suppose. Or the new Joker's podcast. And welcome to the clue the crew, Haley. Wait, hello, hear me. Woo, there we go. Alright, signing off. Bye.